All right, welcome to the Silver Screen and Roll podcast. We are back at it on Tuesday. We are going back to daily episodes. So as you notice, the show showed up in your feed on a Tuesday. It hasn't been doing that for a while. So we are back to daily. Sasha and Sabrina got you started with all the D'Angelo Russell rumors talk that you need. So if you missed those rumors over the weekend that he might come back to the Lakers, then you can go check out their show. I Love Basketball. It's all on the Silver Screen and Roll podcast feed. So just however you found this show or search Silver Screen and Roll in iTunes, iTunes, Spotify, whatever you subscribe to or use to subscribe to podcasts. We're also on Stitcher and Google Podcasts and pretty much everywhere else. So we're not going to touch on the D'Angelo Russell stuff today because that's already been well covered and well tread. Uh, What we are going to talk about is the latest stuff on Anthony Davis and free agency. And then I am joined today by Jacob Rood of Lonzo Wire, uh, which is no longer a Lakers coverage site, but we'll let that pass. Um, (laughs) So normally with uh, with Christian on Thursdays. We're switching it up this week because Anthony and I have a pretty big guest for Lake Show that could only record on Wednesday. I'll let you all guess at who that is. And if it falls through this way, I'm not to blame. So anyway, <laughs> I've talked long enough. Jacob, how's it going? It's going well. Yeah, it's been weird uh, with Lonzo Wire not actually covering the Lakers and having a new team to cover. But it's been a Free agency hasn't even started, and it's been really, really wild. So I can only imagine what the next week or so has in store. Well, I was going to say, for you, that almost, I would feel like, has to be better. because. Well, I guess that's probably better for Christian than for you. Because for Christian, it just means he doesn't have to write about the Lakers for two separate sites and uh, like have to double-dip his thoughts and whatever. Well, I mean, one, it's good because we get to cover Zion, and I'm really excited to do that. But, yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's I, I mean, it's fun for me to get to cover a, a team that I – just a new team in general, and especially the Pelicans, who I think are going to be really fun to watch with a really fun young core, and Drew Holiday's a lot of fun. Him and Lonzo are going to be one of the best backcourts in the league, so or defensive backcourts, I should say, in the league. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm excited for, for what's in store over there. Yeah, so if you want to keep up with the baby Lakers, you know, uh, then you should definitely check out Lonzo Wire because they're going to have that for you all year. We are not going to talk about the baby Lakers today. What we are going to talk about is the guy that the Lakers got, well, I guess not officially yet, but will be getting presumably next week in exchange for them, and that is Anthony Davis. And there was an interesting report from Ramona Shelburne of ESPN today. She was on the Hoop Collective podcast, and she basically said that Anthony Davis has already started text messaging and phone call, like calling free agents and trying to recruit them to the Lakers. So I don't know. That is like such next level tampering that LeBron <laughs> James, his his mentor, has to be proud because like y- you can really see the influence there because he's not even technically on the team yet. This is like LeBron already making calls when he's still technically on the Heat and hasn't totally made his Cavs decision yet. Or but the first time he went to the Heat, he was talking to people about like, uh, w- would you come join me there? Would you come join me in Cleveland? Which one is it? So Anthony Davis learning from his mentor at back at the I think 2012 Olympics uh, in LeBron. James and recruiting players to a team that he is not technically on yet. I think that this is a good thing for the Lakers because now it's not just LeBron that's the tamperer in chief. You have two. This is like they can delegate out the workload. They can set up like a Google spreadsheet and be like, all right, you're going to tamper with these five guys. I'm going to take <laughs> these five. The uh, well, I don't think this is new for LeBron necessarily. If I remember when he went back to Cleveland the first time, like. He gave the Cavaliers, like, a list of, like, trades they had to make to, like, clear cap space. And then he's like, if you guys do that, I'll consider you. And 
the Cavaliers basically had to decide if it was it worth the possibility of getting LeBron. I think they traded like Jarrett Jack and maybe Tyler Zeller. Yes, I remember that. And a couple things, and people are like, "What's going on? Why are they doing this?" And then like two days later, LeBron uh, committed to or signed back with Cleveland. So, but yeah, um, what a free agency pitch to have. Anthony Davis and LeBron James texting you, asking you to come help them and come play with them. And um, is I, I'm just, yeah, I'm just, it's still almost surreal to me that Anthony Davis is a Laker. Like, I guess because. Yeah, it's weird already thinking about it like that because, it, like, he hasn't said anything. And, like, the Lakers can't say anything because the trade's not done yet. And yeah, it's strange. It's like this weird limbo for the next week of he he is and he isn't a Laker because it's like I was talking to um to Pete over the weekend. We were uh, we were having dinner and like um I was saying like you know at some point you wonder if Rob Palinka's natural inclination to try and screw over his like uh, negotiating partner is going to rear its head and this <laughs> thing's going to fall apart. Part of me has worried about that. Like I wait. Part of me is worried that one morning I'm going to wake up and, like, Woj will have tweeted at, like, 5 a.m., like, talks between the Pelicans and Lakers have broken down and the trade is now off the table. I almost feel like we're going to get some weird snag because of this Mo Wagner, Isaac Bonga, and Jamario Jones, like, big thing that's up in the air. And they're trying to move them to a third team and try to make it a multi-team deal. Maybe it's the Hawks. Maybe it's another team. It's not totally clear. Like, and the Lakers, you know, I, I and then we're getting radio silence on this because there's no incentive for anyone to leak or talk because for the Lakers, they need to just try and get this done, but they don't necessarily need to do it so why drag those guys names through the media because if you're not going to be able to make use of that space and you're not going to be able to tell Anthony Davis like just for example like Kawhi Leonard signing can you waive your trade kicker so that we can get to max space if you're not going to be able to do that then there's no point in trading those guys and they're like we won't really necessarily know this until July 6th or closer to it so for now it's just this weird holding pattern where they're probably trying to set up these contingency side deals or whatever if they hear something good from a free agent but right now we just have no idea yeah and I still I'm still last time it was draft night that I was on this with Joss and we Talked to them about the weird tweet Woj had, like, right before the draft started. About and he like, never clarified. Yeah, and I was thinking today, like, there's been no clarification on that. I don't know if, like, Polinka and Griffin are, like, going to bring in a third team or if they're, like, content with it being as it is. And, like, there's just been absolutely no clarification from that. And it's, like, that's just kind of added to the weirdness. Like, I between that and them just... Like you said, there's all kinds of reasons why they shouldn't be mentioning Mo Wagner and those guys in in trade talks. But the fact yeah, that I mean, they haven't, cool like, with... just drag them through the media for no reason. Like, I don't know. I just feel that way. I feel like Palinka probably wouldn't care if he felt like it was necessary to leak this stuff. But I don't. At this point, I don't think there's any reason for anyone to leak any of that. Yeah. So I mean, and I don't disagree. Yeah. I, there's no reason for them to be kind of drugged through the mud. So. I mean, between that and this, like, cryptic tweet, like, I have no idea where the Lakers stand, like, on possibly creating a third max spot. Like, it's still entirely possible, but I don't know if they're going to be able to do it. And it's just, like, between that and, like, Anthony Davis can't really be announced. It's going to be really weird if, like, they do agree to this, like, July 30th deadline and we're going to have to sit through all of July without, like, anyone from the Lakers acknowledging that Anthony Davis exists and, like... But yeah, I. Oh, please no. 
<laughs> yeah, I mean, that's what we're looking at if they uh if they have to do this that there's just going to be a it's like when uh on draft night when like the NBA's dr- official draft account tweeted like at Lakers select DeAndre Hunter number 4 and like the Lakers account retweeted it. And I'm like, what are we doing here? <laughs> like they, there's no need for any of this formality. Like this is all silly. We all know what's going to happen anyway. It's not like anybody follows the tampering rules anyway. Yeah, I'm just I'm I guess the one spin zone that we can have about all this is the fact that there are no leaks means that the negotiations must at least be going okay about this stuff because the only reason people leak is that they're like, well, this guy's trying to screw me, so I need to put this out there so that he looks bad and then is pressured by his fans or by whoever into doing what I want. And so the fact that there are zero leaks right now means that no one's trying to leverage each other. They're all kind of at least they're either in a holding pattern productively or they're talking productively. And so I guess that's the one positive that Lakers fans can kind of take away from that. I was not planning on spending this much time talking about this. Um, I I guess what I really did want to talk about, uh, but this was good. But what I really did want to talk about is like as far as the Anthony Davis recruiting stuff goes, you and I both before this podcast came up with a list because like. We all know what superstars they're probably calling. We know it's at this point possibly D'Angelo Russell because there was that report from Eric Pincus over the weekend that Russell is potentially interested in the Lakers reunion now that Magic is gone, which is hilarious like little detail <laughs> at the end there. Um, and understandable detail for him after Magic really like, you know, kicked dirt on his grave on the way out. And so, you know, it's probably Russell. It's we know it's Kawhi Leonard. There have been scattered reports of LeBron really trying to recruit him. Um, you know, I I don't know if it's Kevin Durant or Clay Thompson or those guys at this point because of the injuries. I feel like that's probably cooled that a little bit. But we we know all the names of the stars that they're going to be trying to get. But I, I think what a lot of Lakers fans, because this is a question, I don't know how frequently you get it, Jacob, but I get it pretty frequently and we get it in the site's comments all the time. Like, what about depth? What what depth guys can they sign? And part of that depends on if they clear max space and they sign a max guy then almost no depth. It's whatever merry minimums, ring chasers, whatever they can get. But if they decide to use, if they pivot and they use this cap space on depth and they try to go after some guys, like who are some names that they could go after? And you and I each tried to come up with uh, five different guys each. And so I think each of us made a list that was more than five. Um, and we'll pr- I'm sure that we'll probably have some overlap in our top fives. But um, yeah, which guys should they go after if they're just trying to get depth? And, you know, I, I say this to someone like I did. You know, I know these guys. I watch the NBA. I'm not your all league expert or whatever. This is my opinion on these guys from how much I've watched them, which is somewhat limited. But I feel like I read enough and like I know. Some, I have a pretty good sense of most of these guys and the free agents, and I know what the Lakers need, I think, more importantly. Um, so I, I guess, with, I, I, again, I've talked long enough. Who, who is your number one kind of role player? Or I guess they, they don't even necessarily have to be in order. Like, who is one guy that you would target as a possible role player for this team if they go depth versus star? Uh, well, I'll go with my number one since I would imagine we both would probably put this guy, but... I mean, my number one is Patrick Beverly. Um, okay, yes, we did put him. I did not put him number one, but uh, I did put him down. Yeah, he. I was at, I was having a discussion with a couple of Lakers or uh, Clippers um, bloggers, just discussing what we thought his market would be. Um, I would say it's probably somewhere in the neighborhood of twelve to fifteen million, but he's exactly the point guard. I think that the Lakers need um, 
with LeBron and AD. He was an 83rd percentile spot-up shooter. Um, really good. I mean, he's developed into a really good three-point shooter um, after really not being one early in his career. Um, and we all know how good he is defensively. I, I was When we were discussing kind of him possibly fitting with the Lakers, I thought it'd be a hilarious um, if Lonzo's first game as a Laker was Patrick Beverly kind of punking him basically for 48 minutes. And then the same summer that the Lakers trade out Lonzo Ball, they go and sign Patrick Beverly. Yeah, Beverly uh, could have really mentored him, you know? Like, yeah. That's what he was trying to do in that game. Definitely yeah. not intimidate, like, basically a child. Mentor, bully. I mean, yeah, I mean, he's exactly the kind of guy, if you're a fan, like, this is a cliche, but he's the kind of guy that you love if he's on your team and you absolutely despise if he's not. And I think that Lakers fans, like, outside all the stuff that you mentioned basketball-wise is really important and why he was on my list, too. I think that he'd be a great fit. And he's exactly what you want on a team like that because he's more of, like, a game manager at point guard. He's not going to do anything crazy. Well, he'll do some things crazy. But uh, you have LeBron and Anthony Davis to handle a lot of the creation duties. He can shoot. He's a tenacious defender. And then I think that he just kind of gives you that, like, just the swagger and the toughness and the stuff that winning teams really need. And I think the Lakers, like, just for lack of a better term, the Lakers, like, their only crazy guy was Lance. And I don't know that he was, like, impactful enough to really, you know, be the crazy guy for a contender, if that, if that makes sense. Like, you need your he crazy had, guy to also contribute positively, consistently. Yeah, I was going to say, he had one of those things down. He was definitely crazy. Positive contributor, eh, not so much. Never forget the air guitar. That will, like, if, if air guitar cam lasts into next season, that will be Lance's la- lasting legacy. One of the best in staple center promotions they've ever done. Yeah, I mean, 100% agree on that. He he was worth the signing almost because of the <laughs> air guitar cam. Because, Just for the fines. Yeah, those were incredible. But, yeah, he, he, did the, he did all the crazy and was did not often do the productive. Yeah, Patrick Beverly, I mean, it, it's something I know Pete has talked about uh, on various pods, but, like, when watching the finals, Patrick Beverly could have been one of those guys on the court who could have been a contributor during those games. Absolutely. And that's a big thing. If you can get that in a role player, um, I think that's a big thing. And the Lakers are, are going to need those types of guys. So that's why... Um, he, that's why I think he's probably the, the most perfect fit of all kind of the the non-max guys out there. Yeah, um, that again, that's why I had him on my... I did not have him number one. Um, mine are not totally in order, but the guy that I did put at the top, and this is not for solely basketball reasons, but I put Brooke Lopez. Um, because I think that number one, he like he provides shooting from the center position, which is pretty rare. We saw what that did for Giannis last year. Anthony Davis prefers to play power forward, so you have a bruiser that can ostensibly start the game, and then you can go to those small ball AD lineups down the stretch. Um, Lopez, he's a, he's like a fine defender. He's not uh, like earth shattering on that end, but he's okay. Um, and you know, he would continue almost most importantly, you know, he's a good rim protector. He can shoot all of the basketball benefits of Brooke Lopez. Lakers fans know well because Lakers fans let him walk for nothing after a pretty, or not Lakers fans, but the Lakers front office let him walk for nothing after a pretty productive year. And it was so that they could sign Michael Beasley as a Julius Randle replacement, which is like the most nonsensical thought process. I think that just sounds like, that just sounds like Mad Libs. 
Yeah, that was a leak. Like, that was a leak from someone that's like, this will make us sound good. Uh, this will make it make sense. That's, like, the worst part of it. Uh, unless it was just somebody in the front office that wanted to just undermine Magic and was like, yeah, that's really what he was saying. But I don't know. Uh, I remember that being around the trade deadline, that that was their justification. They realize they make a mistake. And so I think most importantly, this allows Rob Palinka to continue his, like, F you magic, uh, you were holding me back tour. <laughs> and, you know, like he got the Anthony Davis trade done for less. It seems like they're going to maybe try and sign D'Angelo Russell and fix that mistake. And why not bring back the guy that you got in the trade for him and then let Walkford really no sensible reason whatsoever and you know more like mo potentially most importantly Brooke Lopez is just fun to have around he likes Disneyland he's funny um you know I, like I would I personally would enjoy having Brooke Lopez back around the team but I think that there are a lot of basketball cases to be made for him too especially when you look at the rest of the center market there aren't a lot of stretch fives and there's a reason for that because there aren't a lot of stretch fives just in general and so I think that if they could get him for it sounds like it's going to take around like 10 million ish like, I think that, that would be if they're just going depth and they're trying to divide up the 30 or 20 million into two or three slots. I think Brooke Lopez would be a good usage. What do you was he on your list? Uh, no, I had a different stretch five, which I'll mention in a minute. But I, I looked up some of the stuff. I mean, I pro I mean, he was probably like sixth or seventh or something, but he he was written down. He just wasn't on the top five. Uh, Lopez Brooke shot 36.5 percent from three last year, which. Would have been second best on the Lakers last year behind Lance. Um, hey, who said Lance wasn't productive? Those two idiot bloggers. I'm glad they left this podcast. They, uh, I'm sure those same fans yelling at us also projected Lance to have just a career year from three and for absolutely no explicable reason. Yeah. Um, so, um, yeah, I 100% agree. Stretch five is Brooke. The, the kind of archetype of player that Brooke Lopez is is exactly what you want next to AD. Uh, he was an 80th percentile spot-up shooter last year. He was just absurd. Like, his evolution, I know a lot of, uh, we talked about a lot Lakers fans did when he was in L.A., but just his evolution as, like, a player is just incredible. Like He was, like, solely a post-up guy, almost, when he came into the league, and it's crazy. He just completely, like, melded with the times. He was like water. He just completely flowed into the next thing. Through his first, uh, let's see, this is eight seasons, he attempted 31 three-pointers. He shot 512 last year. That's insane. Um, I'm sure that stat's out there, but that's insane. Yeah, and... So yeah, he's he's really fascinating in that regard. But yeah, he's a a decent defender as well. I think it. I just clicked it, but I think he was in the yeah 68th percentile defensively. Um, he's a good rim protector. He is an able body down there. Um, but yeah, I mean you're predominantly getting him for his offense, and that is, as you said, a rare skill type to as a stretch five to be able to to knock down threes at the level he's at. He's not just, like, one of those, like, almost novelty three-point shooters. Like, he can legitimately step out from range and hit three-pointers now. Yeah, he's got, like, he is, like, a, it looks like a legit stroke now. It's not a catapult. Yeah, which, like, we've seen, there was a video of Zubat shooting three-pointers. Uh, he the, posted on Instagram. The off-season memorial of Itza Zubat's post videos of himself shooting three-pointers and people talking themselves into stretch five. I remember those days.
Yeah, exactly. Clippers, that's, that's Clippers exactly. walkers don't even know what's about to hit them. <laughs> it's exactly what I thought when I watched it. I was like, this is like the third year in a row I've seen him shooting threes. Every, during every the... single year, this is a thing that he, and he actually, to his credit, in an open gym, he can hit them. I don't know why he hasn't been allowed to attempt them during games. Um, he was allowed to attempt them in the G League during his rookie and sophomore seasons, and he was fine at it. Um, so I don't know. Like, but he he's okay uh, at like threes. It's just funny. Like, everybody works themselves up about he's going to be a stretch five, and then he's not allowed to shoot them in games for whatever reason yeah but the the point i was is he on your list (laughs) no he is not that that's just too much heartbreak although just that i am fully here for same thing as brooke lopez it could be the you know it could continue rob's like tour of just getting stuff done that magic messed up i mean i put julius down i didn't include him on my list but yeah i mean i'm here for rob just signing all the dudes that we let get away and just like not like basically pointing the finger at magic dick hey this is a guy that wanted all these people gone i wanted him here look i'm paying him now yeah um so yeah i i actually i mean i had a very similar player he was fifth on my list he it's he does all the same things i just thought he'd be a little cheaper it's Dwayne dead it's Dwayne dead that'd be hilarious. <laughs> i put i have robin lopez down but he doesn't do quite the same things. no not exactly uh it's Dwayne deadman though who He's become this year's chic, smart guy, free agent. Like, I feel like everybody's talking about Dwayne Dedman this year. I don't know that I can recall watching him play, but that's because I mostly just watch the Lakers. Um, But, yeah, like, I've heard a lot of good things about him. He, not quite as good, just synergy-wise on spot-ups, only 61st percentile. But, I mean, he was a 38% three-point shooter. Um, He was, yeah, he took 217 threes. But I guess kind of what you're trading off um, offensively, he's also a good defensive player. And like I said, he's cheaper a little bit. I mean, we didn't really stipulate this, but I would have a hard time believing the bridges probably aren't burned between Brooke and the Lakers because it sounded like he wanted to come back and they didn't want him back. I don't see. I've heard mixed things on that. He said that publicly. That is not what I was hearing last summer. Um, uh, what I heard was that he had no interest in coming back and like, I'm not, I don't know. I'm not really reporting that, I guess. Like it just, it didn't sound like he was very interested in coming back from what I heard. Um, and like, I don't know if that was a magic thing. I don't know if that was a Luke thing. I don't know. Like, I have no idea why he didn't really have that much interest in coming back. Um, and so, you know, like maybe whoever it was that he, or whatever it was that was the reason that he didn't want to be here is no longer here. I don't know. Um, so, you know, and Disneyland, Star Wars land is open. You'd think he'd like want to be around that. <laughs> um, yeah. Just imagine how bad it must've gotten for him to just be like, you know what? I can't stay I around Star Wars land. Disneyland. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, so yeah, I, the, really the only difference between Deadman is he's also a really good role guy on pick and rolls, which I thought could be helpful with LeBron, um, he was in the 83rd percentile as a role man. He was in the 90th percentile on on high screen and rolls. Um, but he's also able to pick and pop, which Brooke Lopez does a lot. So they're really just kind of the same type of player, maybe a little bit of a price difference because Lopez was so good for a really good team um, this yeah. year. Although that, I feel like Deadman's price is going to go up with the amount of smart people talking about him. Yeah, very much potentially. Either one I'd be... I mean, we basically kind of hit the same type of player there. They really need a stretch five. 
that can defend net next to Anthony Davis, those are pretty hard to find. I think really maybe the only other one on the market is uh, Vucevic, who is going to be, I think, entirely too much money for the Lakers to go That's after. That's too him. much money to devote to the front court, in my opinion. That's why he's not on my list. Uh, who is, unless you had something else to say on Deadman. Um, number two on my list actually like reflects a trend throughout the rest of my list like Brooke Lopez is the only big on it because I don't think that that's where they need to devote the majority of their resources I actually think there's you know like a decent chance JaVale McGee comes back and they end up just uh like re-signing him that's not again that's not source that's just like I think like you know the tea leaves kind of line up for that and it makes sense um the guy that is next on my list who might be too expensive but I think he's in the range where maybe you could get him on a decent deal is JJ Redick um (laughs) And it reflects a theme of much of the rest of my list and that he is a really just like crazy good three-point shooter and he's a guard because that's where they're going to need the majority of their help after this deal is like right now it's just uh, THT, Taylor Horton Tucker, uh, in their backcourt. And I don't think that the Lakers will plan on going into the year with him as the starting point guard. I don't know. Um, but I would are we are not. we not considering Isaac Bonga the point guard of the future anymore? I don't think that Isaac Bonga is going to be here. And like people keep either. asking me about him and Mo at summer league, and I'm like, if they're here, like you know, um, but the I Lakers don't know. can't really afford to keep two different types of projects on the roster either. I think. Yeah, I mean, you only have 15 roster spots, and this is a contender. And especially if they're minimum guys, usually minimum guys tend to be a little bit more injury prone because they're older, and you know, like there's a reason they were available for the minimum. Um, so, but JJ Redick is very much not that. I, I don't know exactly how much he would cost. I would imagine it's it would be at least, uh, you know, like probably in the 15 million range, mm-hmm. like 10 to 15 million, somewhere in there. Um, so he would be expensive, but you need three point shooters on a team with LeBron and Anthony Davis. And I think that he would be, he, he's like arguably the best one on the market. And just like the way that he'd be running off screens and defenses would have to chase him, I think would really open up roles for Anthony Davis. They would, it would open up the lane for LeBron. And, you know, I think that, that would be, Like, obviously, that's not a super team, but that is a very dangerous offense. Yeah, Riddick was next on my list as well. Um, He, I mean, you don't really, you don't even really need to say the stats for him. I mean, I think his reputation kind of lives for itself. 197th percentile on threes, (laughs) I imagine. Yeah, more or less. Um, Maybe about half that. But yeah, Yeah. right around there. He, He ranks on just about everything. He's really the, probably the, among, he is among the elite three-point shooters. Um, and that, uh, same as you, the the rest of my list is going to kind of be this trend of three-point shooting. He, We saw how good LeBron was with Korver in Cleveland. Um, Korver, and, another guy, he's not on my list, but may be available if the Grizzlies buy him out. Yeah, I'd be a little worried because he's really pretty old now. But... Yeah, regardless, we saw what he can do with those guys that can come around screens and, and things like that. And it, it was a deadly duo. And I don't think uh, Anthony Davis has had anybody even close to that level as a shooter. I, don't know. I feel like this is – I have not looked this up, but I feel like the Pelicans never had anyone shoot over 30% on their roster on threes. Uh, <laughs> that is probably not a quanti- – that is probably not an accurate stat. But just eye test-wise and looking at their rosters over the years when Anthony Davis has been there, uh, you know, that has not been a strong three-point shooting team traditionally. And, like, I'm just – 
him and LeBron already are going to be devastating. But if you just put any shooting around it, you would think that there's just almost no way that the Lakers can mess this up. Stunningly, former Laker Wesley Johnson shot 38% from three last year. Yeah, well, but as soon as he got to, like, a place with expectations again, he would once again. Although, actually, like, former Rob Polinka client, Wesley Johnson. Let's take a quick break uh, real quick and pay some bills, and then we will be right back, and we will talk about the other three names on each of our lists. Okay, so I think it's my turn. No, you said J.J. Redick was second on your list, so it's your turn. Or next yes. list, so it's your turn. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So next on my list, another shooter, a little more 3 and D, a um, little better defender, but it'd be Danny Green. Um, okay, he's on my list as well. Yeah, so again, another guy that um, probably don't need a whole lot of stats to know what type of player is it. He's... I actually had this debate a little bit. I would say he's probably one of the definitely one of the five best three and D guys in the league. Um, I would probably top three. He was absurd this year in um, Toronto. He was 98th percentile on spot ups. He was 45.5% three point shooter this year. I didn't realize he was that good. I knew he was good. I didn't realize it was that level. The problem was he was really bad in the playoffs for an extended stretch. Well, and... like, you know, I was going to say just hopefully they don't need him to handle the ball at a key moment in a game um, <laughs> or make like a, you know, an important pass up the court. Uh, yeah, he there was a quote where he said like the minute he let go of the pass, he was like absolutely fearful that that was going to be the play that cost them the title. Um, but yeah, he's a- absolutely elite as a shooter and... Defense dropped off a little bit this year, but um, he's still an above-average defender. And but yeah, more importantly, he's a he's a shooter. Again, another guy that can come around screens that can work well with LeBron and um, provide the Lakers. I mean, that's that's the rest of my list is literally just shooters, different kinds of shooters that. Um, and it's a theme that I think the Lakers should should and probably will target is just get as much shooting as you can around these guys one would think but then you know <laughs> you just you look at last off season and you know but anyway that's it's, that's the same for my list going down so we we could probably move quicker on these but um my the next guy on my list was seth curry who i would imagine is on your list as well and again i said mm-hmm. seth not steph i am not I unre- steph though I mean, I would take Steph. I just feel like that is, you know, I don't want to be the stereotypical, unreasonable Lakers podcaster. Shouts to Anthony. Um, <laughs> and just be like, every guy wants to be on the Laker on the Lakers because, and the, like, Steph Curry's going to force a trade here. And no, no, no. Seth Curry, um, who is in his own right, very good. He just like, if he was not the younger brother of Steph Curry, he would probably be much more appreciated. I thought it was um, very nice that their parents were like, no, we're going to make sure that like one of us wears Seth's jersey at the at the Western Conference Finals and all that stuff. But um, Seth, I mean, y- you all know what he brings. Like, again, it's another guy that's like, he's a bit of a game manager on offense because LeBron is going to handle a lot of the creation anyway. We've seen year after year after year, he does not want to cede those responsibilities. So unless this is the start of the break in that trend, then you want the guy that is useful with the ball not in his hands. And that Seth Curry is one of those guys. He's a good shooter um, and, like, you know, not necessarily the greatest defender, but I think that you have Anthony Davis covers up for a lot of 
mistakes. And I think that you really, with this team, almost have to prioritize offense and just try to make the best offense in the league and then see where you can get the defense to, in my opinion. And it seems like they're trying to coach that up because um, I don't know if Sabrina and Sasha touched on this yesterday. I don't remember. But the Lakers are trying to lure Ron, Ron Adams, who Brian Windhorst said today he thought, you know, like that there was a chance that Adams would be interested, which kind of logically makes sense. Uh, because, you know, the Warriors, they're going to have to cut costs somewhere. And Adams is one of the best defensive coaches in the league. And the Lakers would be lucky to have him. And it seems like all these names on their coaching staff, they're trying to get defense. And so it almost seems like they're just going to count on the players to figure out the offensive part. And Seth Curry, I think, would be a valuable component to that. What if I told you that Seth Curry was an 86th percentile defender last year? Oh, all right. Well, see, this is the problem with eye tests. So this is why you have Synergy pulled up. I was actually very surprised by that as well. Um, yeah, he was it actually... doesn't look like he's a good... So, hey, that's again, that's error of eye test. This is why analytics are important. The only area he ranked below average or worse in was in isolations. Um, and he only faced that 30 times. So... There you go. Oh. Best defense in the league for the Lakers too. They got a, they got they got the three and D guy. It's Seth Curry. He was absurd shooting the ball. He was it was he was forty five percent as well this year. He just doesn't get the appreciation for it because he's on the team with it. Like he's on like a team with the second best shooting backcourt in the NBA. And so it's like he comes in and you know he makes like three out of five threes and nobody notices because Lillard or, or McCollum went supernova. But yeah, he's good on catch and shoots. He was 98th percentile. He shot 46%. On unguarded, it was 53.9. Um, imagine getting to watch a team that makes threes next year. That'd be crazy. Uh, imagine having a team who uh, the backup point guard isn't Tyler Ennis or Rajon Rondo. Um, he, the, the difference with Seth Curry and maybe some other names is that he was also 92nd percentile in the pick and roll. Um so he's, he's not better than I thought. Okay. Yeah, he's not just a guy who, and that was actually his most common play type. He's not a guy who's just going to stand in the corner and um, shoot threes. He can unless LeBron tells him to, <laughs> which I'm sure he'd be very good at based on all these yeah. stats. Um, but yeah, he's a guy who can also do a little bit of creation, um, giving him a, a lob threat like uh, like Anthony Davis, um, another. Another situation where I'm sure Anthony Davis has never run a pick and roll with a guy as good <laughs> shooting the ball as Seth Curry is. So, I mean, just looking at, um, he was absolutely incredible in the pick and roll last year, just in every regard. Um, there wasn't an area where he struggled. So, honestly, I I didn't have him in my top five, but looking at these stats now, he would be in my top five because well, see, this is why the this is why the discussion is important. But who who did you have next after after the new goat Seth Curry, who we just moved up to number <laughs> one on both of our lists? I think uh, the guy I did have is was um, Bojan Bogdanovic. I forgot which one it was. Okay, like he's not on my list. Make the uh, he. I watched a fair amount of Pacers games this year because they're the local team. Uh, when Oladipo went down, he was absolutely incredible. Um, he was a huge reason why um, the Pacers stayed afloat as long as they did. Um, 
42.5% three-point shooter. He lit up the Lakers, I'm pretty sure, in that game where, like, there was the infamous picture around the trade deadline of LeBron, like, five seats down from his teammates, and the Lakers got lost, like, the first half by 30 or whatever. I'm pretty sure he was part of that. Uh, I'm pretty sure everybody on the page yeah, that's the probably Lakers true. <laughs> that night. Uh, he had 24 points on 17 shots. So, yeah, I would probably consider that lighting up. Um but yeah, those were the types of games um, he had really the whole kind of second half of the year. He had from um, January 19th through the end of the regular season, he averaged 20 points a game on 41% three-point shooting. And I'm pretty sure, I don't remember exactly when Oladipo got hurt, but pretty sure all of those games came after the injury when he was kind of the sole offensive kind of threat that they had for the most part, at least on the perimeter. Um, he, 92nd percentile spot up. He's going to be like the, the J.J. Reddicks and the Danny Greens coming off screens. Off screen was his most common play type. Um, again, just another guy. I think he might be a little more underrated. I'm not sure. He's another kind of, like you said, smart basketball type of guy um, who... It's kind of you're seeing a lot of. Um, I know the Pacers kind of desperately want to hang on to him, so it might take a little bit more to get him. But and he's um, unrestricted, correct? He is. He is okay. unrestricted. The it really kind of depends on what the Pacers do because if they really want to get like a D'Angelo Russell, they'll have to renounce his um, cap hold. Then it probably becomes more realistic. Otherwise, if they go after Ricky Rubio, is the other name, they'll probably be able to keep him, and it. From everything I've kind of seen, the two basically want to stay together, so it might be a little tricky to get him. But if he does become available, um, would immediately, I think, be one of the best guys the Lakers could sign because um, he was able to play really well offensively last year um, in a really tough position that he really had no preparation for before. Yeah, I think you make the case well. I do want to touch on, you You mentioned Russell again. We mentioned him at the beginning of this podcast. And I know that there's been some talk that he might be available for less than the max. I mean, his his max at around $27 million is less than the full max for a lot of these other guys. Um, we, I don't, we, for the purposes of this, we did not include him, but I think that we should clarify to the listeners, like, at least for me, if he was available for less than his max, if it was say 20 million was all it took to get him from the Brooklyn Nets. I mean, he'd be at the top of this list of non-max guys, correct? Like for, yes. for you as well, I assume. Okay. Yeah. I wanted to touch on that really quick. Um, I don't have anything to add on Bogdanovich. I think that you make the case well. Again, it's another shooter. It's another name that the Lakers could go after that would help them improve offensively. Um, the next name on my list I think might surprise you, and it's uh, Rajon Rondo. Um, yeah, he wasn't on my list. <laughs> no, he's not actually on my list either. I was going to say, wanted, you're going to have to do a hell of a lot of convincing. I just wanted to see if you'd shriek, um, like, visibly. I made, a, I made a face. I don't know if you can see it. But yeah, no, I, I made saw. one hell of a face. It's an audio format, Jacob. You're supposed to, like, scream like a little girl or something when you hear. Yeah, yeah next, you know, next time. We'll I link that back in in, uh, in post. Um it is not actually Rondo, although I am assuming at this point that he will be back. Um, I've just, like, he... I've resigned myself to it. I've accepted the gospel of Rondo into my heart. LeBron spent the entire year talking up his basketball genius and how him and Rondo were the two brains of the team. Um, you know, Anthony Davis has a lot of renown for Rondo. 
Um, you know, like at this point, Rondo has done everything this offseason in terms of the interviews that he's given and talking about like, oh, no, like things weren't that crazy. There It was a pretty normal situation. I think the media made too much of it, but we'll ingratiate him with the, the front office. We know that Kobe's a fan, which means that Polinka's probably a fan. Um, and like anyway, I have I've accepted that Rajon Rondo will be a Laker next season. Um and so you should too. You should all prepare yourselves for it because it's going to happen. And just and then if it doesn't, you'll be pleasantly surprised. But it will happen, so expect it. Um, the actual next name on my list, as you're like visibly scowling and bawling your fist at me, <laughs> uh, it's uh, is I I I think Terrence Ross would actually be a decent get for this team. He's probably on the upper echelon in terms of price. I don't know exactly how much it would take to pry him away from the Magic, and some of the logistics, you know, may not work out for it. It'd be a complicated signing. Um, but again, like he's he's a good shooter, 38.3% from three. Um, and he's a good scorer. And it's the type of guy that I think that he could play a supplementary role on a team like this and would be a decent get for them. Again, he's not at the top of my list. Um, but as we were looking through guards and I was looking for shooters and guys that might be available, if it's at the right price, if you can get him a little, if the market kind of artificially deflates his value or he just doesn't find the suitors he's looking for i think that he would be a decent option if you could get him for you know 10 to 12 million but i think it may he may end up getting much higher than that he was not on my list uh but i think that's largely because i kind of forgot about him he went to orlando and i just kind of like Forgot he existed for the most. Well, you, part. that's the, that's what we do with people in Orlando is we forget about them while they're on the Magic, and then they magically reappear on the Lakers and as their franchise center. So, Terrence they, Ross, stretch five. There was a story uh, or an article that Markel Fultz won't play in summer league, and I had the same thought today. Like, oh yeah, Markel Fultz, he's on the Magic. I forgot about that. Yeah, everyone forgets about that. Uh, yeah, Terrence Ross kind of checks all the boxes. 96th percentile three-point shooter. Um, he was shot 48% on unguarded catch-and-shoots. Um, he was actually a real, another guy that was really good in the pick-and-roll, 94th percentile. Um, so, yeah, he's another one of those just kind of 3-and-D wings. Um, wasn't great defensively last year, 36th percentile, but the... As we oh, prove it. Yeah, that's not great. That took a second to hit me, but yeah. The uh, looks like, I mean, his two most common play types were defending the spot up. He was average and he's 75th percentile in the pick and roll. Um, I'm not really sure where the numbers took a big hit, but as a cumulative. I guess everywhere was, else. Yeah, I was going to say, well, he doesn't really grade out that low everywhere else, but I guess it's just kind of a cumulative effect. Um, yeah, so, yeah. you only do two things well and you just do a lot of things, <laughs> eh, like... Yeah, it comes, out, of. it comes out to eh a lot. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, there aren't many shooters that the Lakers could sign where I wouldn't be happy just because <laughs> I was so tired of... Like, even late last year, or like even at the middle point, where I knew Lance and Rondo were like statistically our best shooters... Like, I never felt good whenever they took three-pointers. No, I mean, there was no one on the Lakers that when they, every single time they shot, you were like, that's, like, you you were just, like, wet. Like, that's, like, that's good. And, like, no one had that kind of stroke on the Lakers last year. And it would be nice if there were, like, some guys that could actually just hit threes this year. It would make 
covering games more enjoyable. It would make watching them more enjoyable if they just had a couple guys. Like, because every so often it's just like you watch enough guys clank threes and your brain starts to turn off. Yeah, 100%. I'd love to have a guy come off a screen, receive the ball, and think, oh, that's going in. Whereas, like, KCP comes off a screen, I'm like, oh, this could do, like, 15,000 things. Yeah. It's like, this could hit the top of the backboard. This could, like, not even touch the net, either through an air ball or through how good it was. Yeah, Um, exactly. Like, he could absolutely drain this and, like, hit his next five shots, or he could air ball this and still take five more shots and miss them all. By the way, uh, just as a KCP aside, I, it, Jeannie Buss was giving her interview on the red carpet tonight um, about like the state of the Lakers and just that she feels like everything's headed in the right direction. So what else would an owner say? That's why we aren't spending extensive time on it. Um, but I thought it was funny that d- for the duration of the interview, KCP was kind of out of focus in the background. And I'm just <laughs> like, this is a meme. I took a screenshot because I'm like, this is a meme waiting to happen of just KCP glaring into the camera out of focus in the background from behind Genie Bus, like this is when he resigns, like we just or when there are rumors like soon. Oh, he I've you've you've like committed yourself to believing Rondo's coming back, KCP's coming back. Like I just hope it's I'm only on a sure. minimum I think the deal. KCP might like there might be someone that would actually give him money. Like based on like he he could fool someone with the close of that season. I think it's possible. Hopefully, I don't have crazy. I I don't think he's coming back for the minimum. Like, I don't think that like that would happen. And so, I would. I mean, he's gonna get twelve million, isn't he? Yeah, like Lakers. Yeah, like I think he's back. My hope is that it's the minimum. Um, I don't think so. I think he's gonna get. He'll somebody will give him money. Watch, like it'll be like the Magic or someone. Yeah, well, uh, I'm fine with that. We'll take Terrence Ross, and they can have KCP. Yeah, it's like a, basically the like the sign and sign. It's not like a sign and trade. It's just sign like and you, sign and trade and trade or something. Yeah, it's like the it's the Ariza Meta World Peace swap. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, we we would happily take that one. Um, we went way off target. I think it was your turn, right? Because you have your last one, and then I have my last one. Yeah, my last one actually is one last big guy. Um, Oh, you lied. You said you had no. Yeah, I I, I forgot. YOLO. Um, I can actually go two ways. I lied. I'll I'll go point guard because I mentioned a big guy already. He was actually seventh on my list. It's actually another pacer, but it's Darren Collison. Okay, Uh, he's on my list too. Yeah, so the he's another guy who can knock down shots. Um, He was 94th percentile uh, shooter. Um, Percentage-wise, I believe he was in the high 30s last year. Um, He was was 40.7%. The difference here versus some of the other guys is that he's also a decent defender. And Um, he's played for Vogel before, which I think couldn't hurt, especially from a point guard. Yeah, I actually forgot about that. But yeah, that's another big point. He 84th percentile defensively against pick-and-rolls. Um, which was by far the most common thing he saw last year. Um, so he's a he's a good defender, um, good shooter, and I think those are kind of you basically need a three and D point guard with LeBron. Um, there aren't many of those. That's kind of why Pat Bev I think was um, so high on my list. But he was 96th percentile overall on catch and shoot um, jumpers. And just overall, a really good shooter. Um, if the Lakers want to play up-tempo some, he's really, really fast, too. 
and can do that. I don't know how much. He was so much fun as a rookie. He's not that fast anymore, but I remember as a rookie in New Orleans, he was just like a blur all over the place. Yeah, I remember him in, uh, with the Clippers as well. But yeah, he was everywhere, just flying around the court. Um, he isn't quite that anymore, but he's still above average fast. Um, so yeah, if the Lakers do want to play some up-tempo, um, he'd fit in right there as well. But um, really across the board, spot-up shooting, he was really good. Um, he was 90th percentile shooting threes out of kickouts on pick-and-rolls, which I would say would probably be a common play type with LeBron and AD running a lot of pick-and-roll this year, I assume. Um, so, yeah, he fits the areas he succeeded in last year, probably the areas where the Lakers are going to use him this year. So he was he's another guy I think – they could potentially get cheap. That um, sounds like the Pacers have their eyes set on bigger point guards, so he'll be out of um, Indiana. And he's a, I believe he's an LA guy. I know he went to UCLA. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. No, he he was on my list too. Further down, I think you make the case well. Um, I'm gonna name my last guy, and then like a couple honorable mentions uh, just before we wrap up here. Uh, and then you can name anyone that we didn't talk about. Uh, Reggie Bullock just would have been mm-hmm. next on my list of five. Um, he was not in my top five initially, but because, you know, you had some of the same top five, uh, he ends up being in my five. Um, I think that he can play better than he showed. I think that Luke's system wasn't structured enough for him to succeed. I think that with the training camp, that could change. And this isn't like the rational reason necessarily. Like, you know, he, he's 3 and D shooter, um, valuable player on a LeBron team. And this isn't a totally rational reason to go after him. But the Lakers did give up an asset for him. And like this is what they tell you not to do in Vegas is double down on like when you made a bad bet or whatever and try to get that back. But I think that in Bullock's case, there's a reason to believe uh, this is like the arrest development. Like, and no, it never works. But here's why it would work for us. Um <laughs> And like in here's why I think Reggie Bullock would work for the Lakers is that all the reasons that I listed before, like he can play better than he showed. And it'd be a shame to give up that asset and not end up reaping the benefits of it when he is a guy that very realistically could return. Seems to like the city, you know, been working out at the practice facility all summer. I I think there's a chance he's back. Um, The other guy that I have as an honorable mention was uh, the guy that the Pacers are reportedly targeting and Ricky Rubio. And he does not fill the shoot part he might be too expensive which is why he was much further down on my list um but he is a really good defender and there is something to be said for that especially if the lakers are ostensibly trying to build something on defense with this coaching staff they're assembling so i think he would be good and then the only other note that i had was that it's too bad david nwaba is a restricted free agent because otherwise he'd be a lot of fun i wrote down nwaba at the very bottom of my list too (laughs) um I, I just quickly, I'm telling you, just continue the tour. Fix all the mistakes. Like, Polinka can just bring all of our, like, old cult fan favorites back. Um, maybe keep Clarkson in Cleveland, though. Um, <laughs> the, he trades for him. He's like, I'm bringing the, I'm getting the band back together. The I quickly looked at Rubio's synergy. Uh, 22nd percentile offensively. Um, yeah, that's better than I thought. <laughs> <laughs> Low bar. Um, yeah, he wasn't great last year, but yeah, I. He, the good thing about that is he can't torch us when we play him. My list of like ten in the honorable, but we just touched on all the others. So, yeah, the 
the the couple of guys I'll mention was DeAndre Jordan was the big guy I was going yeah. to talk about. I think he would be a really really good fit. Um, he's a, he's a, another pick and roll guy, a really good rim protector, and he is always healthy. He, he's always available. Um, That's a good skill. Yeah, be, best ability is availability. Um, I had Rolo down. You mentioned him as well. Yeah, he wasn't on my list, but I think he'd be a fine fit if he if the money's right. Um, I had Bullock down as well, and then the last guy I'll touch on is actually someone you didn't mention. Be interesting to see. I have Austin Rivers down. Um, nope, did not have him. He was not on my radar. He was decent offensively um, last season. Sixty eighth percentile spot up. He's kind of more of an ISO guy. Um, I don't know how well that would fit in L.A., but he's also kind of developed into a really good defender. Um, he could bring that to the Lakers. Um, he can defend three different positions. He can kind of play three different positions, point guard, shooting guard, small forward, um, just some versatility there. Um, he was pretty far down my list, though. I I don't know what he would cost. Um I really have kind of no idea what his market will be. Um, but he's also a guy who's played in a lot of big games, um, which is another thing. He's another guy I could have seen out there in the finals contributing. So just kind of on that regard, I think the, you can't go wrong if you just get enough of those guys. And Chris um, Paul hates him, so he can't be so bad. Yeah, exactly. So, um, I, the other reason to sign him, you know, like this isn't a basketball reason, but you could sign him just to troll Doc and uh, just <laughs> like at the press conference, be like, "Well, at least one Rivers has a chance to win a title in Los Angeles this year." I, as much as we control the Clippers, I am always here for it. All right, yeah, I think that's a that's probably a note that all Lakers fans can agree with. So that's probably a good spot to stop the podcast. Um, Jacob, thank you very much for joining me. Um, and if you want to find more of our podcast, we will be back tomorrow. Again, you can subscribe to the Silver Screen Roll podcast feed on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, and Google Podcast. Alex Regla and Alex Padilla will be back tomorrow with, uh, well, I don't know if they're still going to call it Show Tiempo because now it's new hosts, but um, they will be back tomorrow with more takes on the, la- on the latest Lakers news. Please get subscribe, leave us a five-star review, leave a question in there. We will answer them. Um, and we will be, and I will be back with you on Wednesday and Jacob will be back with you next week. So thanks for tuning in everybody and have a good rest of your day.